This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 84, where we're looking at Gotham Season 3, Episode 7, Red Queen. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Gilzean on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites, to this Season 3, Episode 7, Red Queen. This is Gotham TV Podcast, Episode 84, and I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host, Derek. Welcome back. Yes, you're looking resplendent in red there, Derek, yes. Had to get the Red Queen t-shirts on, right? I think you did. <laughs> it's such a Red Queen t-shirt, indeed. <laughs> I've got red socks. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I am a friend of Dorothy. I see. <laughs> but yes, we're here for the Red Queen, a very mysterious title for this episode of Gotham. Mm. Um, and one which is quite funky and weird and psychedelically... Yeah hallucinogenically fantastic yeah. uh, a really good episode of gotham again mm-hmm. um they really are um knocking them out of the park this season i, I think, think so yeah uh, really a nice consistency to the episodes and mm-hmm. um, very good indeed and um, as well just so that you are aware we are at heroes and villains fan fest in london uh next well this coming weekend i should say uh, right. on the 27th and 28th of may mm-hmm. where there will be a host of gotham cast uh there yeah. from david mazous to sean pertwee to drew powell who you heard again very kindly introducing Gotham TV mm-hmm. podcast. We really have to pay him a lot of money for this, don't we? Well, I think we really do. <laughs> I think we have a, a dual photo op with him and a solo photo op just to make up for his intro for the last year for our podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Uh, as well as then there being Robin Lord Taylor um, as mm-hmm. aka Oswald Cobblepot. Yes. Yeah. So, and of course Jessica Lucas. And as well. Jessica Lucas. Yeah. I keep forgetting. Yeah, because she's Jessica added Lucas. she was added very late to the uh, to the lineup for Heroes of Villains Fan Fest, but I can't wait to meet her. Really cool. Really cool. Yeah. The Tigress. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, for next week we will have no uh, video, no, no YouTube video, because we will be in London at the Heroes and Villains Fan Fest. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yes, we'll just be doing audio only, but you can head over to YouTube anyhow and just listen to the voices yeah. of Gotham TV podcast, myself yeah. and Derek. Yeah, I'll no. hope, I hope to put in a couple of uh, a couple of photos maybe from Heroes Villain Fan Fest during the, uh, during the coverage, maybe. Hopefully I'll have some uh, in time for, uh, for the edit of that podcast. Yeah, we will certainly see what we can do. And of course, you can find us on gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes, or you can just search Gotham TV Podcast on any good or Oswaldian po- podcast catcher. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I almost tripped myself up. <laughs> almost, almost. I think it's time to get into the review of Red Queen, Season 3, Episode 7 of Gotham. What do you think, John? Absolutely. Yeah. Derek, uh, what are the case notes for this yeah this is uh, an episode directed by scott white who directed uh, season two episode of gotham uh, prisoners if i remember rightly that wasn't one that we were particularly enamored with uh, it was where jim was in prison for most of the episode uh, a very repetitive um showing the day-to-day life of jim in prison um if i remember it wasn't uh, wasn't one of our favorites of the season but i think he's redeemed himself at this episode oh definitely i i think it, it wasn't so much the direction or yeah. anything like that i think 
Gotham works best when it is ensemble, and this is what they've been doing this season, and mm-hmm. it really has worked. I think the the problem with Prisoners was that it was just focused on Jim, and it just seemed um, a bit solo run, really. Yeah. And, yeah. and really, I think after three seasons, what seems to work for Gotham is ensemble pieces uh, moving around quite a lot, looking at different arcs of different characters, Definitely. throwing in a curveball here and there, going trippy, certainly in this season. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, you know, looking at previous, like the Red Hood gang, for example. Yeah. So it, it really works well like that. And I think they're really uh, focusing on that this, this season. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and this episode was written by Megan Moyston Brown. This is her fifth full writing credit, credit uh, for an episode of Gotham. She did Welcome Back, Jim Gordon. Everyone has a Cobblepot in season one. Uh, she did uh, A Bitter Pill to Swallow and Pinewood. That was episode nine and episode 18 of season two. And she's also the story editor on most of the episodes of Gotham since season one. So she knows these characters really well and you can tell it yeah megan is really um charting a, a great course for for gotham Definitely. and i suspect that may be one of the big reasons why it now has a season four like i, th- I think she's really um strong here in, in crafting how gotham is progressing here so uh top notch megan yeah, absolutely yeah. good job john do you want to tell us what megan gave us with your spoiler filled synopsis for this episode of gotham season three episode seven red queen sure valerie vale recovers from her gunshot wound but ends her relationship with jim gordon knowing he manipulated jervis tetch into shooting her instead of leslie tompkins Meanwhile, Tetch's plan for revenge is not over. He breaks into the morgue and drains the blood from his sister Alice's corpse for use on the elite of Gotham. However, as Jim tries to catch Tetch, he is exposed to the powerful Red Queen hallucinogen that shows Jim three parts to his life as they might have become or might have been. A war-torn GCPD, a life married to Lee with two children, and an encounter with his deceased father. Jim is rescued from the Red Queen's effects by Mario Falcone, who brings him back to consciousness. Elsewhere, before his attendance to the Founder's dinner, Oswald Cobblepot attempts to manipulate Isabella, encouraging her to break off her and Ed Nigma's blossoming romance, but to no avail. As Captain Barnes questions a suspect over the break-in at the morgue, he again loses control, but he and Bullock deduce Tetch's plan to spread the virus at the city founder's party and arrest him in time. Gordon decides to honour his father's wish, who had encouraged him to better protect Gotham by rejoining the GCPD. Mm-hmm. While we breathe, we shall defend. Yeah, nice little family motto from the Gordons there as well. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, so I think it's time to get into our case notes. What we normally do on our episodes is we take our top five case notes from the episode, go through them, and as we discuss them, we hopefully will cover off all of our main points uh, in the show. What do you think? Yeah. So, John, do you want to take us with our first one? Yeah, it's Gordon's bad trip down <laughs> memory lane. Has this is the Red Queen, Babs and the Elevator, the three floors of, of Jim's life, yeah. really. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this was really good. I even just liked how the Red Queen was bought from the, 
the the drug pusher by <laughs> by Tetch. Yeah, and uh, cool. yeah, he he's probably gone out of business at this stage. But well, I think he might have might be dead now from uh, from his experience with the Red Queen. Yeah, dead or in the loony bin. It was um, quite, quite good of him to do a house call over to uh, over to Tetch's uh, creepy creepy apartment, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> he must have wondered what was what was about to happen mm-hmm. or what was going on. But we have the first floor with Bellboy Babs, <laughs> uh, Bruce and the Wayne case yeah. featuring really largely here. You know, is it a case of guilt over not having solved it yet? Um, you know, leaving Bruce Wayne to the wind, so to speak, trying to find out his parents' murderer himself. Yeah. You know, but we then get transported back to Jim in the army. Mm. Uh, Never leave your unit behind, screams uh, Cobblepot, who's yeah. there, saving him from, a, I think, a... A massive explosion. Yeah. Really yeah. interesting. But then we get transported back to the GCPD where there are a ton of police officers, detectives, all slaughtered, wiped out with Bruce Wayne with a really creepy mask as well. Yeah. Kind of saying, it's your fault. Uh, it's because of you, Jim. Hmm. Um, it was as... a Jim, it was a Jim Gordon mask, wasn't it? On his face. It looked like it. It was very Mike Myers uh, <laughs> to some extent. Like <laughs> really creepy. Yeah. I love how Gotham does this really <laughs> um, sort of ramping up this just kind of general weirdness and creepiness yeah. <laughs> but um you know at the end jim falls back off the sort of the mezzanine of the gcpd mm-hmm. and he has a really girly scream oh poor jim poor he, jim he did indeed. just get shot in the stomach by bruce though i'd probably scream very girly uh, <laughs> if i got shot in the stomach even in my nightmares uh <laughs> that's true that's true but we come to his second floor now mm. uh, and he's now with nursey babs who he then transforms into non-bab. So, I mean, Jim really has a bit of a kinky streak here, I think. Um, I love the know. touch here. I love the Babs calls this out. It's like, I, I'm a figment of your imagination, and you're the one that put me in this revealing nurse outfit. It says a lot about <laughs> you, Jim. You know, I really like those little moments. Yeah. I love the Babs is Babs throughout these scenes. She's definitely the crazy barber that we've seen for the last two seasons. That's know? it. There's a the really good moment where she says, well, go on, Jim. I think this was on the first floor. Go out, you know, go in through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, or do you want to be left here with me in this small space? It's just the way she delivers it is really, really right. good. Yeah. Um, but here we have Jim and a life that he could have had with Leslie yeah. and their two children, Julie and Frankie. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of bittersweet and it's gradually taken away from him. You know, you, you get all the cobwebs coming on the dinner table and slowly uh, the children disappear yeah. from their seats and then finally Leslie as well. But it, this, this life that could have been yeah. if, uh, Jim had in, in effect, like stuck with her to yeah. some extent. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting little touch. And I, again, I love the kind of um, the the timeless nature of Gotham. They do this quite a lot. Where we have what we have here is a real fifties home. It's it's every all the kids are dressed up in really old clothes. You know, it's not it's not a present day kind of thing. Um, even Leslie looks looks like something out of uh, out of um, a really old film. You know, uh, really like these touches here. Now in the comic books, uh, there's no relationship between Leslie and Jim. Um, Leslie's actually a thing. I think she's together with Alfred, if I remember right. Um, so she's a lot older than Jim uh, in in the comic books. Um, but he, his the kids that he does have, he has Barbara and he has James Junior uh, in the comic books, and he also has Anthony um, Gordon uh, for a very short period of time in the comic books. The reason for that, um, but. 
this isn't a relationship to the comic books. These these two kids, Julie and Frankie, they're they're a completely new creation yeah. for, for the show. It's not it's not like a future that he could have that he could have had. It's a completely alternate life for Jim. Okay, but within Gotham, it's the life he could have exactly, had. exactly, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then we come to Jim's third floor. I mean, really, I think all of these floors are a, those kind of defining moments of Jim. And yeah. I wonder, given at the end of, of this episode, you know, he decides to rejoin the GCPD because mm-hmm. of this third floor, this third and final moment, and um, who is. You know, he's introduced to it through uh, cocktail girl babs. Yeah. <laughs> Looking stunning in a dress, sipping a martini Absolutely. with an olive. Uh, but yeah, in this one, we have Jim's dad who returns to tell him about the family code the Gordons promised to live by. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was in his, I think, the ring on, on his finger. That's right. Uh, While we breathe, we shall defend. Focus on the good you can do. So like this is really an urge for Jim to kind of snap out of his moroseness to an extent yeah. and, and really try and engage back into Gotham and the GCPD in a meaningful, maybe, you know, way th- uh, by saving people through the law. Yeah. And it's nice, actually, that in this, we also kind of get that hint from from Harvey Bullock. You know, he's been his steadfast ally and friend. And even, like, in this episode, he finally cracks and backs up Captain Barnes yeah. with, you know, decide what you want to do, you know, get out of here. Don't go off on one of your sort of vengeance trips to try and solve this. Either leave it alone and go and be by Valerie Vale's bedside in mm-hmm. hospital um, or come back to the GCPD yeah. and, and do something meaningful uh, through the uniform and, yeah, and through, through through the law, yeah. you know? So it's a really nice link through this episode, I think, that's here um, and presumably is a, a springboard now to maybe a slightly different gym for, for some of uh, or for the rest of this season, maybe. Yeah. I hope so. I hope he needs to take up, I hope he takes up this mantle of, of the Gordons, really, the people that will defend the people of Gotham. You know, this is something that we, we know Jim becomes. We know he becomes the commissioner of, of Gotham in the far future or the near future. You never know. Um, but it is nice to see him hopefully turning back towards that and seeing his way back to the GCPD. There was a while there I was wondering how they were going to get back in. You yeah. know, he can drink whatever time of the day he wants to. Uh, so uh, maybe that was going to keep him out of the GCPD for a while. But as Harv said, you can also do that when you're when you're on the beat with the GCPD as well. So, yeah. hey. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a really uh, I think great thread uh, through you know Jim's exposure to the Red Queen hallucinogen yeah. here. Really good. Um, great idea. Yeah, yeah. really enjoyed it. Uh, I think on to case note two, and this is Oswald, Ed, and. Isabella. Yes. Yeah. Very important here. I think the, the kind of storyline between Oswald and Ed has been building and building really since they first met. Every, every one of the fans has really loved the interaction between these two characters. We saw Oswald reveal his love for Ed last episode and then. Sadly, Ed met Isabella at the end of the episode. Uh, this episode does add a little bit more to your theory, John. I think that, uh, that Isabella is not just a woman that happens to look like, uh, like Ed's former flame. You can definitely see some moments when Ed isn't looking where, um, where Isabella is kind of giving knowing nods or knowing looks that she's playing him. Really is what yeah, it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. He, um, despite staying up till 6 a.m. chatting to him on the street. She's doing a good yeah. job. Uh, yeah. You know, this kind of, 
spy espionage type thing maybe for the court of owls you yeah. know and um, we do have in in here uh at the founder's dinner the founder's party we do have is it catherine yes um, from the court of owls who mm-hmm. says we're watching you um you know uh, we'll be in touch to oswald and maybe it's not only oswald that is being watched by the court of owls maybe um you know as she says we make things tick in this city really so this could be a, another ploy by uh, the Court of Owls here, looking at Enigma, uh, given his, his abilities. But of course, really, Nygmogglepot now seems to be slipping through the fingers of, of Oswald. Um, and Oswald really tries here to sort of sabotage the relationship before it, it begins by visiting Isabella at the library, mm-hmm. uh, kind of saying, look, the guy you're dating, he was in Arkham. Uh, he's pretty bad. I don't normally <laughs> gossip about employees, staff employees, but, mm-hmm. um, you know. Yes, he's yeah. a murderer. <laughs> he's a murderer. He's pretty uh, messed up. Yeah. Uh, but this does not uh, face it. And yeah. this is why, you know, it's either true loyalty, a true connection, or um, there is going to be uh, something sort of tough coming down the line for ed enigma i think absolutely and i think that you know it's a really good telling moment and ed does pick up on it where she compares their relationship to anthony and cleopatra romeo and juliet and othello and desdemona um and ed picks up on it that they all died what he doesn't pick up on is all the women were were murdered and then uh, the men took their lives i believe they all committed suicide so will she drive him to um to his death will she drive him to take his own life Hopefully not now. I hope not. <laughs> it would be strange for uh, the DC world if Enigma had the Riddler was uh, yeah snotted. <laughs> well, I think I did mention it earlier on the season that the way I'm really looking at Gotham now is that it's its own series. It's one of the offshoot universes uh, of DC. I don't think they can cleave too closely. I don't think they have to cleave too closely to uh, to our version or our comic book version of the characters. So. If we do lose a big character like Ed, yeah, it would be an absolute shocker. Um, but I think they could do it. Yeah, yeah. They could absolutely. do it. I'd hate it. Don't get me wrong. I'd hate it <laughs> if, they got, if we lost Ed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it does kind of paint that picture of, of Isabella that she's there's something nefarious about her. I don't trust her at all here. No. It could be way just, too cool. Yeah. Um, and given, given the, the white, uh, locks in a, in a head, in a head of her, then mm-hmm. absolutely, uh, th- there's something suspicious about Isabella. Yeah. And maybe she's just the twin of Kristen coming back for revenge against Ed. Could be. We never know. Could be. We never know. And of course, talking of white, she does have, as Oswald say, that, uh, swan-like neck that, <laughs> uh, Ed, Maybe, uh, maybe is attracted to. I love that little moment from Oswald <laughs> where he just says, um, oh, and Ed loves neck, which is just a reference to the fact that he strangled <laughs> Kristen Kringle. Like, what a horrible reference from Oswald. Dark. Very yeah, dark. really dark. Loved it. Really good. Really good. Um, I think we also kind of covered off case point, uh, case note three on there, which was, uh, Catherine of the Court of Owls. Great to see that character back. We know the last time we saw her, she had kidnapped, uh, 514A, the, the brutal ganger, as we were calling him. Um, we haven't seen her since then but interesting to see that she's been she's been watching out for oswald and they'll be in contact with him to see if he'll join the the uh, the group of the court of owls yeah she's fairly open to oswald here mm. um you know she's kind of encouraging to him that you know they've they've had their eye on him at the time at least at the founder's party that she really seems to be saying you know 
we want to work with you basically yeah um and you know we'll be in contact w- w- with you when the time is right but then we have that really uh interesting scene at the end where she is talking to some uh shadowy figure uh bathed in the darkness of the room mm-hmm. uh, where she says once a criminal always a criminal um you know so it's almost like she doesn't really, or the Court of Hours don't really um, give out much hope that maybe they can work with Cobblepot. Yeah. Um, and that actually he would be uh, more of um, an enemy or someone to go up against mm-hmm. uh, rather than an ally here. But it's interesting um, to, so to find interesting. out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to find out what the court do with people that are criminals in the city. Do they let them go? Do they take them under their wing? Sorry about that. Uh, to to try and do they turn their neck? <laughs> turn their head, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> turn their head. Sorry, I just, I've, because I've still got Catherine. Sorry, no, I've still got Isabella's swan neck thing <laughs> Must going be around my head. <laughs> Must be it. Uh, but do they do they take him under their wing and uh, guide him in this path of being mayor now, so that they uh, they have more control over the city? You know, I presume they have most people in the city under their under their wing. Uh, yeah, which is the point. But interestingly, as well, who is this this guy in the in the chair? Well, the most important piece about him we know is that he's wearing the Gordon family crest or the Gordon family motto on his ring. It's exactly the same yeah. ring that Jim's father had Jim find. You know, so he's got the same motto. So, does this mean that the Gordon family were part of the of the court at some point? And are they an ancient family of Gotham mm, like I, Catherine? Absolutely. Remember, Gordon. Also, Gordon Senior was um, was the the district attorney at the time. Falcone did say that he worked very closely with the DA, yeah, uh, with Jim's father. So, um, so yeah, lots of lots a few of, threads here that yeah. are starting to look as though they want to get connected. Absolutely, um, and this will be yeah. This is really interesting now. Mm-hmm. Really building, I think, in 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 this season yeah. of, of Gotham. Definitely, yeah, I think so. I think for case for case note four, I think we should talk about the actual founders' party itself because. That is really interesting. Obviously, we saw with uh, with Theo Gallivan's arc in season two, we saw a lot about the founders of Gotham. We saw loads about the old families of Gotham. Um, it's interesting to see they're still all behind everything. Uh, that this is a this is this party itself is something that um, you you'd kill your own mother to get to. Really, um, it seems like a really important social occasion for Gotham. Yeah, but one that's going to get rudely interrupted by Jervis Tetch with his uh, sister's blood uh, plonked into the old red wine. I know. Um, And, yeah, I noticed he didn't take the Red Queen. Um, Actually, that was really interesting. When uh, Jim was about to begin his hallucination, Mm -hmm. the bottle, the little bottle of the powder... Um, is is still by by his side. Yet when he wakes up, it's no longer there. So maybe maybe it was just part of the hallucination. Um, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of noticed that. But yeah, he's his revenge is not just simply on Jim Gordon. It is on the people of Gotham who he believes has failed his sister as well. That's true. Um, and I, I do like um, you know, he says I'll make mad men of the ruling class. There is a rhyme to that, but I can't remember quite right. what the first part is but really nice kind of almost shakespearean kind of feel to that absolutely um and he he, says yeah he says the heads of gotham will roll which i really like yeah and i i think you know again really good to see jervis tetch uh on form here absolutely um you know absolutely manic not afraid to use a gun uh really 
you know, if given the opportunity, follows through on his threats. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed then just how manic he became when he saw that um Captain Barnes was infected with his sister's blood. That's right. Um, what does he say? He says, oh my, is that my dear sister I see? She is in you, isn't she? What fun, what fun. Mm-hmm. What fun it will be when uh, Captain Barnes goes loopers. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, the rats are going even worse now. They they have no uh, resemblance to what they were before. They're getting more violent, more out of control. That's right. So I suspect Captain Barnes is on a fairly downward trajectory <laughs> into uh, aggressiveness, uh, craziness, and... I can just imagine him like eating his way through the jail bars um, at, at the GCPD, maybe um, to get at these these uh, perps who are who are really you know he he does like getting aggressive and uh, angry with them. Yeah, but I think there's kind of a good thing here. Barnes is involving a lot of people in this investigation into uh, the blood of Alice. So I'm wondering if someone like Lucius Fox, because he's been involved in this investigation, or Leslie Tompkins, because she was also testing the blood, or again Harvey, because he's been with Barnes the whole time. Um, will will they notice the change in Barnes before anything? really bad happens and will they be able to help them out because they've been involved now i know lucius fox does say uh, getting a cure for this uh, could be years away uh, there's a great look from barnes there going oh i think uh, this could be affecting me already um, yeah could we work on that a bit faster please lucius well he uh, says we need this in hours yeah. given that you know it could have actually um been deployed through jervis tetch's plan that's right so definitely yeah uh, but i i like how barnes yeah it is is kind of, you know, he's keeping it under wraps. I mean, we've seen with his last will and testament as well. So mm-hmm. he kind of feels that it's not going to end well. Um, and yeah. I, I kind of like that. I like the fact that he kind of knows what's coming. He's also, you know, he, he's slightly, um, addicted to it because it's got him off his crutches. Um, he, he feels more powerful, but, you know, that, that moment where it's revealed to Tetch that he is infected with this and, and Tetch is just loves the situation that's that's taken place of course he does yeah absolutely it was also really cool kind of to see the old barnes back from when he when he arrived in strike force season yeah, season yeah. two episode four i think it was uh, where he was coming in smashing chairs and making uh making a play for taking over or cleaning up the gcpd in here we see him with with harvey um uh interrogating a prisoner and that moment is a real kind of anger and aggression to him that yeah. we haven't seen for such a long time because Absolutely. he's kind of been he's kind of been off center since he got attacked by Galavan in in, uh, in season two. He's kind of not been not been himself really. So um, so yes, he's getting furious and angry, but it does really remind me of how he was introduced in the show. A yeah. furious, angry kind of character. So, yeah, great to see that back. But, so. but the one other thing I wanted to say, sorry about the um, about the uh, the founders party. Um, this kind of topic has come up a couple of times in the movies and in, and in other stories. This idea of the ruling class of the city, which I really like that. Uh, Jervis Tetch is going after the ruling class. He's trying to poison them and take them out. So we had the one percenters in uh, in The Dark Knight Rises. Yep. And this was Bane's plan as well, was to take out the ruling classes and Gotham would turn on itself. The people would uh, take over the city and that it would be an orgy of chaos, effectively. So it kind of feels like Jervis Tetch's plan to take out the ruling class, these this court or these the, the founders, is similar to that plan. I thought I thought that was quite an interesting little 
Dark Knight moment, I suppose. It's definitely a, a running theme through through Gotham and, and through the books, this idea. And I suppose it's highly, you know, deeply connected in with Bruce Wayne, this idea Absolutely. of, you know, a billionaire, but also the other uh, incredibly rich members of Gotham High Society. Yeah. And it really is a theme. And it, it's great, this this theme, and, and trying to see them being pulled down, whether it's through Bane in Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. or now with, with Tetch, whereas, you know, it contrasts quite nicely with season two with Galavan, who wanted to reinstate that and just circumvent and supplant the existing families. Absolutely. Uh, but his aim was to maintain this, this kind of, um, nefarious secret, um, upper class society. Absolutely. Um, you know, controlling Gotham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so really good. Yeah. yeah. And it is also interesting. They haven't got Bruce involved in the founder's dinner. I know he's a bit young to be sitting around sipping wine. So I <laughs> presume that's, that's uh it's it maybe something that he'll graduate to later on. Well, he did have other things on his mind. And I suppose that does bring us on to our fifth and final case note, yeah. uh, which is uh, Bruce's date with Selena. Oh yeah. Almost didn't happen. Thought he was going to get stood up, but she did arrive. She got busy. Yes, she did. I presume that meant stealing. I think it did. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's... <laughs> I, uh, well, I think so. I think there's a, the, the kind of point here with Selena and her lateness is really that she wants to make sure that Bruce knows he's waiting for her. Uh, Selena's not someone that's just going to come along on a date and get flowers and, and chocolates. That's not that's not the kind of girl yeah. Selena is. She wants Bruce to know that she's that she's not an easy plaything for him. You know, that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of character that we see in Selena. She's always like a ball of wool. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, she, so I think she's just trying to kind of put Bruce in his place again. He's this rich billionaire and she's from the streets, you know, she doesn't want to be at his beck and call. And I like that little bit from Selena. I like that, that feeling of the character feels really like Selena Kyle. She wouldn't be someone that would just drop everything and run to the billionaire's house for a free meal. You know, that's true. That's true. But it looked quite a nice meal. It looked like chocolate cake. It looked like salad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it looked kind of healthy and unhealthy, I'm, light and dark. I know. You know? I, I'm not sure whether he was going to serve both of them on the same plate. I think I think uh, Alfred probably taught him a little bit better than that. But I do love that Selena asks for the chocolate cake first before any yeah, dinner yeah, at absolutely. all. Like, cut, the cho- cut the cake. Yeah. And Alfred was concerned, you know, as well. <laughs> uh, he will be in earshot and the lights have to stay on. I know. The one- Teenagers out there, you've heard this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think we've all heard it in our lives yeah, at absolutely. some point. But it's just, you know, again, it's another great, another great parenting moment from Alfred. You know, he's not going to leave... Bruce alone with Selena in the house, you know. I think it's also because he probably doesn't trust Selena. Um, yeah, he still uh, doesn't trust Selena, yeah. I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be within ear- earshot in case she steals the <laughs> large screen TV that I'm sure they have in the house. <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah. I wish they would reintroduce the Batcave, actually. Yeah. That, that seems to have been a, a great addition that has been underutilized in Gotham. Yeah. Um, even if it was just that they were down there a bit more often. Yeah. It would be really good, I think. But remember, um, remember, Bruce is sworn off doing this type of stuff. So he's at the moment he is just being Bruce. He's going out to events and he's having dates with girls. You know, that's that's the Bruce side that we haven't really seen a huge amount of in the first couple of seasons because he was doing the investigation where he almost got killed three or four times. You yeah, know? yeah, I'm just trying to remember as well the tape in in the machine or on sorry, not the tape that on the the files from the computer. Mm-hmm. 
they basically were destroyed, weren't they? Yeah, I'm not sure whether Lucius ever broke into the computer to get the, the full files out. I'll have to check that up, actually. Um, but yeah, I think Lucius just went off and joined the GCPD. Bruce finished the investigation, stopped investigating this at the request of Alfred so that he actually might might make it to his 20s. Uh, I think is yeah. the point. I think as well, like, finally, like, Selena has a really, I think it's a really nice little touch here uh, mm. from from the writers where she says, this thing uh, between me and you, it's weird for me. And, and Bruce just responds back, it's weird for me too. It's yeah. kind of really just like that awkward sort of connection between um, teenagers mm-hmm. as they begin a romance or or something like that you know and and certainly because of obviously the you know the street urchin versus the billionaire uh, child uh, with a legacy it it, it's a really nice little touch just to highlight again that actually they are so different yeah Um, and and it's that's the reason why they're not just simply connecting that that there that there is something to be overcome there is an attraction there or there is something but yeah there's, there's just some invisible boundary that is strange so it, yeah. it's really uh really nice touch i thought and i think selena does kind of have a reasonably good point about bruce she's his only friend there's no like there's nobody else that bruce ever talks to outside of alfred so yeah. And Alfred's kind of in the fatherly position here. We see him in the episode. So, you know, to Selena's point, if this doesn't go well for our relationship, that's the end of our friendship as well. You know, if something goes wrong here. So you got to think about this very clearly and very seriously, Bruce. If you want to screw up the rest of our life <laughs> and the rest of our relationship, uh, go right ahead. But she's not willing to do that either. So she does care for Bruce in that way, I think, as well. That kind of comes across. It is weird. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's our top five. Case notes, John. It is. Yeah. We have a usual point of business, our Bullockism of the week. We did see a bit of, a bit of, uh, Harvey Bullock in this episode. And um, mm-hmm. thanks to those of you, our Gothamites, our listeners who've sent in your Bullockism of the week. Um, still the chance to win the Harvey Bullock pop vinyl that we have. Um, hopefully coming up later on in the season, we'll be, we'll be giving that away. Uh, please keep sending in your Bullockisms of the week, your favorite Bullock moments, even if it's one from season one or two that you thought that still stands out to you as a great moment. Uh, as we said last week, Bullock's getting a little bit more serious as the, as the episodes go on. But there was a great little moment with Barnes, uh, in this episode, wasn't there? Where, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where Barnes asks him, what's the date, Harv? And he goes, Friday. Um, He's got, you know, what, what's the date, Harvey? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, he excitedly. Such a good moment. Yeah, he just excitedly yeah. answers Friday as if he rem- has just woken up on the couch for the <laughs> fifth time this week, but remembers the day. He's sure of the day. Yeah. <laughs> nice little moment. Yeah, really good. And he, and of course, to Jim, he goes, I'm not going to aid you in one of your bullcrap kamikaze missions anymore. Why don't you come back to the GCPZ, Jim? What are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. It's the moments I talked about before, and it's it's a really good moment between former colleagues and, and a friend. Sort yourself out, Jim. You know, stop yeah. running, stop being afraid. Um, and and I think that connects back into the elevator and the three uh, floors of Jim's life uh, really, really well. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Some great little little bullock moments for this episode, definitely. But if you want to send in your your bullockism of the week, just send an email to us at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. Uh, come follow us over on Twitter as well at Gotham TV Podcast, um, and you can pop on your your bullockism. You can hashtag it over there. That's why you can do it on yeah. Twitter. And of course, we are on Facebook. Just go to. Facebook facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast yeah. and join our group there for 
all the discussions uh, around Gotham. Absolutely. Of course, we do have the Red Queen herself, this powder, um, as one of our notes yeah. as well, which was... And it was described as a blend of psychotropic plants. Yes. And I'm just wondering whether uh, the Red Queen has been manufactured by the Green Queen in the form of the older Ivy Pepper. Maybe, maybe. She does have green fingers. She certainly does. So it'd be interesting because, of course, Jim is supposedly investigating uh, the whereabouts of Ivy Pepper. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that's kind of taken a slight detour at the moment, but yeah. maybe um, that will come back in episodes uh sorry episode eight so um yeah really nice little uh sort of off the cuff remark from the drug dealer though when he's trading uh with uh jervis tech absolutely we just wonder we just wonder whether ivy pepper is responsible for the red queen Mm -hmm. and can i just say for for one of my notes for for this week is really the most gruesome moment i think i've seen in gotham for a while is alice being bled dry um as the camera comes in focusing on effectively her dead face she's been dead for two episodes now she certainly Um, has and just having a focus on her face and then flip upside down as she's drained of blood by her loving brother as as he would call himself Uh, i just thought that was a really 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 a difficult scene to watch almost you know watching something like that you know it was a great piece of direction that whole turn of the camera absolutely uh, to show that she's upside down and of course kind of goes nicely with the whole psychotropic aspect of Mm -hmm. of this episode and the hallucinogenic uh sort of to and throwing for for jim yeah and so on so really really good and of course we see here that mario quite rightly probably uh wants jim out of leslie's life um you know it's probably a good call in in all honesty yeah that um you know look he's he's really you know got to be out of our lives yeah. for, for this to work so i suspect that leslie and mario's wedding may not go to plan well, maybe, maybe, but I, you know, I do, I do see his point. I suppose I, I kind of see if you have that as your ex, if you have Jim as your ex, who <laughs> yeah. every time you meet with them, you're either getting a gun pointed at you or Get uh, getting attacked or getting kidnapped, uh, held at knife point. Yeah, and pretty much all three of these had just happened the day before to the woman that he's engaged to. So I can kind of understand his point. Absolutely. And one of the other interesting things here for me is remember that it was Falcone who held Barbara hostage in season one mm-hmm. and effectively initiated her trend down into absolute insanity and ultimately into Arkham. And I'm just wondering, given Babs's relationship with um, Leslie Tompkins anyway, with that triangle with Jim, mm-hmm. but also there's another triangle with Leslie now, which is through the Falcone family through Mario. So that's true. I just wonder she has a perfect opportunity for uh, revenge. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of it in Gotham Mad City uh, for this season, Absolutely. what with Jervis, Tetch, and maybe even Babs will start to get into uh, the mix here. But remember, so. John, Babs isn't crazy. She's free. <laughs> free! Free as a bird! John, overall, what did you think of the episode? Um, I would give this um, four and a half Red Queens out of five. I actually thought this Ooh. was one of the strongest episodes it really connected nicely to what had gone before i really think that it probably 
uh, amounts to a great turning point for Jim. Yeah. Moving away from uh, being this bounty hunter, coming back into the fold of the GCPD. Mm-hmm. And it also, I think, gives Jim um, some story as to why he's been doing this. I mean, we got this whole notion that he's afraid and mixed up from last week's episode. Uh, we have it again in this episode from from Harvey Bullock. And I think for me as well, it was just nice that the connection with his hallucinogenic uh, experience was then in reality through Harvey Bullock, who is his friend and former, former colleague. Yeah. Um, again, loving the touch and loving how uh, he is sort of myanically sort of trying to destroy Gotham, although he's now in custody as well. So that will be a useful thing to see how how that works. I presume he's going to go straight to Arkham and with its leaky walls um, (laughs) will be straight out again. Yeah. Uh, I hope he's not carrying a watch because he'll just get out of the back of the van in the next episode. (laughs) And then again, I think just with... um, I'm really enjoying Captain Barnes here Mm. uh, and just how his kind of descent into whatever he's going to descend into as a result of his exposure to Alice's uh, tainted blood. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it's really being played nicely by Captain Barnes. Yeah. You know, so um, this was this was a good one. And, of course, finally, I suppose, you know, we do have this this additional stress now for the Nig Mogglepot um, <laughs> with Isabella on the scene. Yeah. And, again, Course of Owls back in. Always good. So this this was a really nice, strong episode for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Oh, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I think this uh, this kind of resurgence of the Jim Gordon that we we loved at the beginning, this guy that that wanted to come in and clean up the city, and then got scared off by you know by the by the villains that have been attacking him the whole time. Um, I love that this has made the turn back to him. So yeah, I'm with you. It's probably one of the best episodes this season so far. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think with that, on to some feedback. Mm-hmm. We uh, got in some feedback from Daniel Butcher. That's right, yeah. Uh, Daniel says, I know I missed an episode. I just didn't have a lot of say, to say about the last one. Um, but he's wondering, is it me or is the Penguin Love Triangle and the Bruce Selina date storyline? Um, honestly, I was like, hey, where's Bruce? there's Bruce. I haven't seen him forever. Uh, are they really just attempts to keep him in the show while the writers work out the Gordon arc? Uh, stories for them seem really forced to me. Interesting, Daniel. I don't think so. Um, a lot of this stuff, I think, has been building for seasons. You know, we're, we're into the third season now. And Selena and, and Bruce's relationship was kind of written on the wall the first time they met. They had their meet cute in, the, in, in one of the first episodes. Yeah. So um, that was it was always kind of going to happen. And when you've got a, season, a, a show with 22 episodes a season, there's going to be a point when you're going to resolve some of those some of those love stories, you know, I think Penguin and Ed, there's always been that kind of relationship between the two of yeah. them as well. I don't think it feels like they're, they're forcing them into the, into the episodes. I think it, I think it feels like this would be a natural thing to do when you have a lot of episodes, it gives you the opportunity to talk about them. Absolutely. And, but I, I mean, I do think that always the danger is that Bruce is kept within Wayne Manor. I mean, we've, we've had that. Uh, before uh, and I'm really looking to see his doppelganger and the course of owls back in here and hopefully that you know not only is it the Gordon arc but that we have uh, a Bruce arc that starts to move back into um whatever the course of owls have got uh lined up for his doppelganger so yeah. that they really um you know that it 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 moves out of Wayne Manor or yeah. there's a real present danger i think you know again i think there will need to be a time where bruce starts to sort of uh think about his parents the the crime the injustice and and 
how he moves to be Bruce Wayne at this moment. It's that connection with Selena and Bruce. And yeah. I'm really enjoying it. And it, I think you can see where it comes from, but certainly, um, it needs mixing up as well. Mm -hmm. And a really good question from, from Daniel. He says, is this the end of the Jim growth arc? Did he learn what he needed to learn become, to become the future commish? Or does he need more lessons from the old commish? That's just a bit of a gag about, uh, about Michael Chiklis used to play uh, the, the main character on the commish. Nice yeah. one. Um, before he makes this plunge back into, uh, back into being the commissioner. What do you think? Is this, is this him set on the path now or does he still have some issues to resolve? I think it's the start of him back on the path. Right. He needed the boot from his long lost dead father. Mm -hmm. But depending on who that shadowy figure is, uh, maybe, you know, Jim is also going to get a, a bit of a, a shock and will need to reset if maybe it is his dead zombie father. Like, who <laughs> knows? With Indian Hill, it could be anyone. Who knows with Gotham? It could be anything. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Clayface could be back. <laughs> yeah, but that would be really good. Like, that's a really useful um, character to have in the bag to sort of have other people come back from the dead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Daniel... All right, peace out later. Bye to you as well. Thank you very much for that Absolutely. feedback, Daniel. Thank you. And remember, you can provide any feedback through our email at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com mm -hmm. or you can leave a voicemail. Just visit the website, um, gothamtvpodcast.com yeah. and leave a voicemail on the... On the little button. Yeah. yeah, that's on the right-hand side of the screen. Absolutely. Up to 90 seconds of voicemail feedback. We'd love to hear uh, from some of our listeners yeah, through yeah. voicemail. And again, you can join us on our Facebook group or Twitter. Um, and, of course, on any other good or evil podcast catcher, including iTunes. Just search <laughs> Gotham TV Podcast. Yeah, it's been great having you with us. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, episode 8 of Gotham uh, Blood Rush next Ooh, time captain Blood bonds Rush. i think i think so uh, but as i said we will be over in and heroes villain fan fest this weekend hopefully we'll get to meet some of our listeners over there it'll be good to uh good to meet up with you great to meet and looking forward to meeting the gotham cast absolutely um, but as i mentioned just in case you're watching us on youtube uh we will not be doing a youtube video next week so hey subscribe to the podcast listen to us in your earphones or watch the uh watch the audio only version of the podcast but hoping we'll see you really soon and next time we will be back with uh, with blood rush looking forward to it yeah thank you so much for listening as always and we will speak with you next time bye bye, bye. <laughs>